It was people realising that people weren't right, maybe people starting to withdraw a little bit, people getting agitated, just not themselves. Kirsten Diprose here with a special bonus episode of Ducks on the Pond by the Rural Podcasting Co. When a small group of farmers put their hands up to say, hey, our community needs help, you listen. So we're supporting the initiative called Farmers Helping Our Own, which is running workshops across parts of New South Wales and Queensland to help people dealing with the current perfect storm of high input costs, high interest rates, dry conditions and low cattle prices. We know some tough business decisions need to be made and it's not easy. The workshop started running on November 13 and finish on Friday, November 24. Check the show notes for all the dates and locations. I'm joined now by one of the organisers, Jem Green, a grazier at Chesney Pastoral on the central tablelands of New South Wales, who also has a background in health. Just eight weeks ago, Jem and her husband Stu and a few others, including Stu Austin of Wilmot Cattle Co., started to bring this workshop concept together to help farmers make decisions, look after their well-being, share ideas and just connect. And now it's up and running. Pretty extraordinary what a community can do when it sees a need. This is a shorter episode than usual to help get the word out, but I promise you it's just as interesting as all the others. So let's meet Jem, who can tell us why these workshops are so needed. And she's also got a pretty interesting story of her own. I grew up in Bathurst, actually, born and bred Bathurst girl. And my parents were not in farming at all. My grandparents were horticulturalists, both grandparents, actually, both sets of grandparents. And my dad was a golf professional at Bathurst Golf Club for many years. So that's where I live and grew up. And it was a really lovely and, you know, really idyllic childhood. We had lots of farming friends and I completed nursing and midwifery and had grand plans for joining the RFDS and then met this really lovely guy at a 21st and it was it was all over. So that's how I ended up at Mindurama and I've been there about 25 years with Stu and we have a fabulous time together. Any kids? Yes, we do have those and we are going to keep them. Hugo is 20. <laughs> Eva is 17 and Sasha is 14. Yeah, great. And what do you farm? So we're an an all-grazing enterprise. So we grow lamb and beef, prime lamb production, as well as cattle trading and cattle breeding. And really that's, we identified probably after the last or the big millennial drought that, that our strength and our passion is grasses, growing grass, biodiversity, grazing. Stu is um, really incredible at doing that. And, and that's what we love and do. Yeah. I love the kind of concept of grass equals money. It's a really <laughs> crass way of kind of saying it, but when you think about it like that, your whole concept of the farming production changes. Mm-hmm. Mm, very much so. And it's certainly something that our enterprise model has changed significantly over the last 25 years to the betterment of the landscape, to the production systems in which we, you know, grow that beef and lamb from grass and and also for our health and wellness and mindset. So what's your background in health? You mentioned you're a health practitioner and have you continued that as well as farming? In dribs and drabs, I, I really feel like I have an incredibly idyllic world of with a lot of flexibility and I'm really grateful that I've attracted that well and truly. I was a nurse and midwife for the better part of 20 years 
and and that diminished over time with the more kids that we had. I also did struggle with aspects of the um, Western med system and, and then I ended up changing across to kinesiology and a kinesiology stream as well as energies and landscapes. Can you explain what kinesiology is? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. So kinesiology, it, it's using muscle reflex testing on the body as a tool to really laser in on subconscious patterns, emotions, reactions and behaviours. So it's a way of connecting to different parts of ourselves that we can't actually consciously connect to. And the version that I use is it uses a lot of harmonisation tools to really support raising your vibrational frequency at a, a, a subconscious and a conscious level. I love interviewing people and just finding out something that you never <laughs> expected. Why kinesiology for you? Yeah, I used to find it. So classic example was in maternity. I worked in a fantastic unit at Orange that had a lot of, you know, a lot of wise ones, a lot of amazing midwives who were still so incredibly passionate about their craft and and the 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 workplace in which they were and it's an absolute privilege on on all levels to be to be a midwife and it stay it stays with you always but i would see different patterns and so i might be on in labor ward and first person of the day would rock in and it might be a 32 uh, woman with 32 weeks with a few niggles or a few whatevers and and then the next person would come in obviously a female and if they'd be 33 weeks i'm like ah it's going to be one of those days. It's going to be one of those days where you have a run of patterns. So I've always been fascinated in patterns and clusters and really kinesiology just helps me work more deeply with people. Often you do end up with people who have uh, worked through the, the system that is so important in our society for acute diseases and issues but for chronic conditions it just helps me take people and that they're they're self-healing I just facilitate for them on a whole different level to a different version of health and wellness yeah I used to be so closed off to anything that wasn't western medicine for a long time but when I was pregnant and had a really bad morning sickness incredibly Mm. bad morning sickness and a friend said to me, acupuncture. And little did I know that in my tiny town of Karamit, a farmer practiced Chinese medicine at the time, just two days a week from her home. I thought, wow, I was so closed off for so long. Well, and I think it's, you know, some people see, then believe, others believe and then see. So I think depending on your personality and where you sit in an open-minded or semi you know, unconsciously semi-blinkered space, you know, there's so much around us. And so for me, science is really important to me. And I also enjoy that fusion of science and spirit. And whatever you believe is going to work for you will work for you because you've already decided it will work. So it actually doesn't matter what you choose. It's just simply by choosing gets you into that space for you to, for your mind to allow it to work. So it's, yeah, it's lots, it's lots of fun. And there's just so much this, you know, the more I practice and learn, the more I realize there is so much more to learn. So I think this is a good point now to really bring in what you and a few others are organizing around, I think mainly New South Wales and Queensland, farmers helping our own, which really is about health. It's about mental health. What's happening in New South Wales and Queensland at the moment? 
So I guess just to give you the background briefly, there was a few moments back in September or late August where Stu, my husband, you know, had a few conversations. One was with a local agent, pretty well going, shit, I need to be, I need to have a psychology degree at the moment. And the other was from a really lovely young farmer with a young family who's recently gone in into farming independently and they're, you know, creating a, a, a business startup, just going, I, uh, where, do, where do I go to from here? What do I do? So absolute, complete vulnerability. And really, I think from my point of view of what I've witnessed and observed, that was really our tipping point of, okay, what what can we do? We've got our own life experience in regards to, you know, serious adversity. You know, we've not been flooded. We're not in that kind of space. But in terms of dry spells, we have actually absolutely experienced that. And it has left, I think, still a little bit of, of trauma and scars there, well and truly. It's just then what you do with that. We sort of all came together and then it just kind of grew its an energy of its own. And the key purposes are to create a safe and open space for people just to come together to hear a little bit about decision-making because decision paralysis was very much something we were hearing and seeing in a lot of different areas. It was, you know, again, a, a highly repeating pattern. And if people can't make decisions and then move on, regardless of what the decisions are, you become stuck in like a holding pattern where you're not quite landing. So that was really that was really the crux of it. It, it was about bringing each ourselves together in individual communities to essentially support communities to, to self-fulfill looking after each other in a different way and also bringing in the mental health conversation as well. So there is a dedicated a mental health professional from Ramps who is running that component in these workshops, which we've got 10 of from Roma down to Cooma. So what were the sort of conversations you were having with people that made you and your husband go, okay, this is a broader issue? What were people saying to you? So it was a a mix a mixed bag. It was certainly maybe not quite a cry for help, but because ultimately we want to avoid and support people before they get to crisis point. But it was hearing a story like, and regardless of whether you think this is right, wrong, or indifferent, you know, someone making their first cattle purchase with a card and it was sitting, you know, at eighteen percent, and then the the value of that livestock decreases over time, but you're still sitting at repaying that at 18%. So it was very much the financial pressures, I think the headspace pressures, and actually people going, how how do I actually sell this and know that I'm realizing a loss here? How, how do I deal with that? It was people realizing that people weren't right, maybe people starting to withdraw a little bit, people getting agitated, just not themselves but people talking about the, the financial constructs as well and what's changed so much in the last sort of, let's call it six months with mm. climatic changes occurring, you know, cost of living increasing, interest rates increasing, and then significant shifts in livestock market for, for beef and lamb. So I think the culmination of that has created a really different melting pot this time round compared to previous dry spells because they're all different, aren't they? So, you know, and some, it's, it's hearing stories like, oh, I'm just going to hold them. I'll hold on to them and I'll, and I'll feed them. And so then it's asking questions around, so, so what does that look like for you? 
what financially, what does that look like for you? Stress and physically, what does that look like for you? And so you're not you're not necessarily challenging their decision. You're asking questions, you know, asking questions around how will you achieve that? And it could be perfectly achievable. So this is where I think very much part of what we're wanting to share is also getting panel members up to share their learnings as well and to share our stories in that ag space because the wisdom that is out there and what people have done and achieved to get themselves through a time of, of adversity is just extraordinary. I think farmers and farming is a very humble industry. You just sort of do it and get on with it. And I think it's a really great opportunity to celebrate some of the learnings that people have had and to share that with other people because you actually have no idea what that difference will make to someone and their family. Yeah. Coming from the corporate world originally, there was always someone to upwardly refer to when you're starting out or even when you're mid-level. If you didn't know something, there was usually someone you could ask. But in farming, when you're in your own business, it takes a lot more effort to find that mentor or that person or people that you can ask sometimes. No, and that's exactly right. But Stu does, my Stu, does share the story about seeing an article in the land about a chap down near Cooma, and I hope he really turns up. I'd love to see who it is because we've actually completely forgotten and misplaced his name about dry lotting sheep. And so Stu cold call, picked up the phone call, incredible conversation, could not have had someone more open and welcoming to sharing information with Stu back then. And that's what we ended up doing for the millennial drought. So again, the realisation is is that, yes, it's it's brave and vulnerable to pick up the phone to someone, to anyone that you feel may be able to support you in some way, but don't underestimate the joy it gives them as well to share their learnings. I think that's great advice. And what I really like about these workshops is that it is really grassroots, like it's farmers getting together really early on. And I think it's just because a lot of those other agencies who are fantastic and do great work or or government kind of institutions may not realise it until you're at crisis, whereas this kind of stepping in early is so key or at the right time is so important. Look, absolutely. And and that was really something that spurred us all on as a team was that let's let's get proactive, let's have conversations in communities before we do hit that crisis point. Because if there's the ability to avert that, which I absolutely believe there is, then it will make everyone's journey so much easier potentially and different to what it may have been. And I think I think that's really worthy. We really stepped into this thinking and knowing that, you know, I don't know that we've really hit the complete level of pain yet. So we're looking to continue support with this through to the end of this financial year, knowing that Christmas is in the middle of it. And that may be a very different time for numerous rural, regional and remote families throughout Australia. So we'll do the workshops, obviously, and then our plan is to step into a regular touch point with a regular webinar. We've not completely defined what that looks like yet and to have some few different guest speakers. And this is people have just volunteered all of this. And I think that's really golden as well, including the funds for this to absolutely happen. 
there's been some great philanthropic donations for, you know, venues and catering and for there to be no fee to anyone to attend any of these workshop events. And so we're super grateful to those to those people in the background. And I'll be helping out with broadcasting those webinars. So yeah, keep listening to this podcast yeah. to find out more <laughs> about those webinars awesome. when, when they're done, which is a great way that we can help support and and get more people to to hear it who are in other parts of the country perhaps that will be needing it just as much. How dry is it in New South Wales and Queensland? You know, I'm sitting in Southern Victoria. It is drying out a little bit, but it's still green mm. at the moment. Yeah, I think, look, I, for us personally, I think it's absolutely no coincidence that we went up to Claremont and helped our eldest Hugo move back home about five weeks ago now. And it was just as we were bringing all these concepts and ideas together and it sort of really cut out between from from Orange where we are between sort of Mindoran and Kuna and there were varying levels of dry feed, standing dry all the way up and through to to sort of Emerald Clermont direction. So it's a bit patchy where we are. There's there's varying areas in the central tablelands that have just not quite jagged a few storms and are a little bit drier than others. And I think people can feel that it's it's potentially going to cut out. If we if we do get some of those summer rainstorms on the tablelands where we are, then that 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 may be beneficial. But after just such an extraordinary and magnificent three years on so many fronts, I think it's also that deep realization that things will change and evolve again, however they're meant to evolve. I mean, I know for us, we've got some cattle on adjustment up in northwest New South Wales, and the cost in adjustment is much higher than what we're going to get back for the price of cattle. But we're looking to sell them soon and cop it on the gin, essentially. You just, just got to. Yeah. And it's, and that's also something else we've spoken about is the, the realisation that that some years you may not make a profit, but let's look at what our five, our 10 and our 15-year average looks like as a business. And I think the important thing is, and it's so easy to say not to beat yourself up, I think, I think all of us make the best decisions we can in the moment with the information that we have. And so it's probably reflecting on, on the learnings and, you know, and this is something that we've spoken about as a bit of a wash up for down the track, not not for now, but to reflect on with someone maybe that's even third party to your business, you know, what were our wins? What could have been better? What could have we done differently? And, and, and what is going to ensure that our business is more resilient and robust next time around? What does that look like? And that's also very empowering, I think, too, when you do get mm. to that because, yeah, there are moments of absolute, you know, strain and just complete shittiness. And that's the other component of this too with the with the workshops is to ensure people that there is absolute hope out there and that you will come out the other side of this and let's do it in a cooperative and shared and supportive manner. And that's it for this special Ducks on the Pond episode. Thank you to Jem Green and to all the organisers of the Farmers Helping Our Own workshops. All the workshops start at 9am with coffee and finish with lunch, so they're perfectly designed for farmers. And anyone involved in ag is welcome as well. All the dates and locations are in the show notes. Come along and bring a friend. So thank you for listening. Our next episode is part two of Dealing with Stress with Steph Schmidt. That drops on Thursday. So quite fitting that this 
episode popped up. This is a Rural Podcasting Co-production. My name's Kirsten Diprose and I'll catch you again really soon. <laughs>